All right, so it looks like we are live. Good, good, good. We're live. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Is yours truly Dr. Barry? We are going to wait for some people to come in. We're waiting for people to come in. Thank you for joining another episode of the Ask the Internist. This is a series that I used, it used to be Real Physician Reacts, uh, but I, I like this Ask the Internist. I like being able to kind of be open with the conversation, especially if I don't have a particular topic I want to touch base on. Uh, but this week, this week, I want to kind of center our focus specifically on medical school, medical students, especially because I got a lot to follow me and I know a lot, especially my fourth year medical students are being prepared to make that next jump. They're prepared to make the next jump into residency. So first of all, congratulations to all of these students who are able to have a successful match and get into a residency spot somewhere across the country. That is a difficult feat. That is something that is not just given to everyone. So I like to take the time and give the kudos because I know how hard a lot of people had to work to get there. And I'm already seeing, I'm seeing TikToks. I'm seeing y'all already getting ready for the move. I see y'all already getting ready for, you're buying books. You know, you got your Amazon wish list. Again, I appreciate, appreciate it. So we're definitely gonna be talking about that transition of, going from a regular medical student to a soon to be resident physician because it's a leap. It may, and it's a leap that occurs in a span of about four months, three months, depending on it, depending on when you graduate, if you graduate early and when you actually start residency, because uh, you know, usually residency start in July. So it's a leap that occurs very quickly and it can be very scary for a lot of people. So we're definitely going to talk about this evening. Again, for those who are joining, I'm Dr. Barry Pierre, board certified internist. This is our weekly live series, Ask the Internist, where typically we just kind of fire away a lot of general questions because as an internal medicine physician, guess what? I can answer a lot of general medical questions because unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, the internist knows a lot about a lot of things. We don't may not know into depth, but we know a lot of surface level things. So we're usually able to answer a lot of questions um, from that perspective. Um, and today, I just want to touch base on the medical student and more importantly, medical school. Why? Uh, because I used to, obviously, I used to be a former medical student, uh, but more importantly, I used to also be a former program director, right? So I used to be a part of the decision making who said, hey, you know what? This medical student is someone that I want to see in my program. Like this is a, this is a person I can see. In fact, I used to have questions for those who those who a um, especially I don't know sure if I have many. Yeah, pretty, uh, I think I have a couple residents who follow me. Um, they know that one of my questions always used to be like, "Why should you be a part of the six? So at the time, we had six residents. Uh, tell me why you should be a part of the six members of our resident class, right? Which is always a good open-ended question because it starts making them think. It's not asking them about like how well they did in organic chemistry or how well they did with this tourist. It's just basically saying, hey, why do you think you should be a part of this class? And I wish I could say some, all the time I got a great answer, but sometimes that used to fluster students. It used to really fluster them because I guess they weren't used to not having to answer some generic question about their strengths and their weaknesses which typically occurs, right? They're like, oh, what is your strength? What is your weakness? That's one of those saying, oh, Siri trying to talk to us. That's one of those questions that all, especially the, the bad interviewers always will ask because they don't really have no questions to ask. But like me, I'm very great with the open-ended questions. I love open-ended questions 
because I just want to see how you're going to be able to postulate it, right? So for those who may not be aware of the process, so this process of going from medical student, especially fourth year medical student, onto residency, if you were on TikTok in the past month or so, you saw a lot of match day 23 uh, TikToks, right? Or if you're on Twitter, it was over, it was everywhere. Every social media platform, Instagram too, um, there was a video talking about match day and the importance of match day and whether a person matched. And we saw some videos where people didn't match, right? And we, we could talk about both of those this evening. So we have this process when we are kind of deciding, hey, I want to go to, you know, let's say John Hawkins. I'm just shooting out a name of a hospital. And I want to be a part of their residency program. One, I got to choose what specialty, what field I want to do. Again, if they're lucky, they want to be an internist like yourself. Because again, I think I'm biased, but I think internists are like the best specialty. Again, don't shoot the messenger here. I am telling you I am biased. So that way no one comes at me saying, no, you know, pediatrics or OB-GYN or general surgery. I don't, I don't want to hear it because if you ask me, the internal medicine specialty is the best specialty. But again, not, not here or there. So you have medical students who decide usually within their third year of medical school, hey, I want to be blank for the rest of my life. Whether it be I'm going to be a pediatrician, I'm going to be an obstetrician, I'm going to be a surgeon, neurosurgeon, direct, like I want to be something for the rest of my life. And they usually have to choose that the third year they're in medical school, which I think, I think is kind of wild if you ask me. Because if you ask me, hey, this goal that I've been striving, because a lot of us just have a goal of just becoming a doctor and it takes forever, forever in a day, just become a doctor. And Within about two and a half years, again, but usually by the third, you kind of know. Within two and a half years, you have to kind of decide, hey, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Because everything is kind of future planning. So as we speak, we have third year medical students sending out emails across the country saying, hey, I want to be a part of your program. I'm interested in your program. Can I do a rotation, which is like an audition at your program? Like that's happening as we speak. And it's a cycle that happens every single year. So you get to this point where, hey, you decide, hey, I got these list of schools and I've done, you know, I did my auditions. I've done my interviews, hopefully. And I have a list of schools that I want to go to. So then you you go to this computer system and you say, hey, this is the list of schools I want to go to. Then you have to wait for those programs to be like, hey, these are a list of the future residents that I would not mind taking. Boom. And then from some weird, funky computer system matching process, if hospital A says, I like resident A, guess what? They're a match. They're a match way to heaven. Boom. They're on the way. And because you, you saw a lot of people, which happens every year. I don't want to call out my medical students. I, I don't want to do that right now. But every single year, the amount of videos that I see uh, people say they got into their first choice. Like, first of all, the odds of that are extremely low. It just is. Let's just be honest. The odds that all of y'all got into your first choice is comical, right? So, but again, we let them rock with it because hey, it's their day. We're not going to steal no joy. But in the back of my mind, I know, hey, the likelihood that all of y'all got in y'all first option is not 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 it not it. It's just it just just like let's be for real. 
And what's funny is because because then when you do see the honest students who are like, ah, oh, this wasn't my first choice, like that seems more relatable to me because like I can tell like, okay, you could tell this wasn't this person's first choice. But when you got a majority of your timeline saying they all got into their first spot, again, I'm not here to call them liars. I'm just saying that the numbers, the numbers typically don't, like all of y'all not getting in y'all first spot. Like it just is what it is. All of y'all are not getting in your first spot. But let's say, boom, you get in your spot. Now the decision becomes like, all right, now I got to take off the medical student brain because they have a medical student brain. Because let me show you what occurs from a timeline perspective. You find out in like March that, hey, I'm going to be in so-and-so program. But a lot of them still have like three to four months of schooling still left. And when I tell you as a as an attending physician, the worst medical student to have is one who's just matched. Like if, it, especially if it's not your specialty, that's what you, oh, that's a double that's a double burn. If you have a medical student who just matched doing your rotation and what they matched in has nothing to do with your specialty, huh, you you might obviously they're there because they gotta be there, they gotta get the grades, but it's 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 draining. It is draining. And again, like I said, I ain't mad at them. Cause I was right there too. I was I remember. When I was a, I was a fourth year student. I got my, I got my email match because I'm older, right? So um, I, there wasn't this like whole because I'm an osteopathic physician. So there wasn't this big, um, you know, wait till Friday and then everyone finds out on Friday. Like nah, on Monday, hey, you match this where you match that. Very anticlimactic. So I find out on Monday, boom, I matched. So now, for the next two to three months, I think I was on. I was on ICU, so ICU was okay because I knew I had to work on ICU. That wasn't a big issue. But then I, I think I might have been doing like ER and maybe like geriatrics, something that I was just like, okay, I am so mentally checked out that even when they used to give us homework, I'm like, oh man, I got like I just got I just need a passing grade. I just need to make sure I do not fail uh, this test. Like that's all I need to do. Like all the other stuff is cool. I just need to make sure I do not fail this test because uh, uh, usually we had like a shelf exam by the end of the month. So again, like I said, the worst medical student to have is one who just passed. So again, you you pass, right? You, you get ready. You're mentally trying to prepare yourself for what residency is going to be like. And despite my advice to my, my medical student mentees every single time, like, hey, relax. Hey, don't go out there and try to read, you know, a whole bunch of books and learn like because regardless of whatever you read, it ain't going to be like it when you're the actual doctor. They don't listen to me. Right. Again, I understand because when I was in that position, I did not listen to someone telling me, hey, Barry, you might just want to chill like you're about to go into internal medicine, uh, whatever you think you're reading, um, you're going to have to read it times 10 and you're going to have to know it like to the fullest level. Because residency is such a weird dynamic. Medical school is a weird dynamic in and of itself. So you go from being a medical student, you know, one month, right? Let's say month of uh, June. Or let's say month of April. Month of April, I'm a medical student. The month of July, I'm a medical resident. And the second July first hits, you have people, one, calling you doctor, right? Which is 
you know, amazing, right? Like, oh my God, I couldn't wait. I, mean, I couldn't wait. Like, I remember I used to be the same way. I couldn't, like, I couldn't wait till they called me doctor. And that first month, I was like, oh my God, they're going to call me again. Like, I was, I, I almost got petrified every time they said Dr. Pierre. I was petrified. Because now you are a resident physician. So now all of your colleagues, especially your senior residents, are expecting you to know something. So, so they're not asking and they're not telling, they're not talking to you as if like you, you like, all right, this, you were just a medical student a couple months ago. They're like, no, no, no. Like CHF, how do you treat? Right? So the, the backwards process of how we have to learn is so weird because we automatically have to like go full running, which is why I tell my pre-meds like, Hey, like don't waste your time reading during the summer and all that other stuff there. I promise you one, you're not going to retain it. And two, Whatever you think you know, your seniors are going to make sure they ask you the opposite question. Like you might know every question on page one and your seniors are going to recognize you know everything on page one and they're going to ask you all questions from page two. Because it doesn't matter what you know on page one. It's like, oh, cool. You know, page one. That's cool. Uh, what's going on with page two? So like just that mindset alone is a significant shift for a lot of students, right? And this is usually, usually what trips them up. When, when I think about just what you have to know and what you have to learn, it, it's almost like, it's almost like a, a fire hydrant, right? Like it just, like it, when it's open, it just goes. And then it goes for however long your residency is, whether it be three years, whether it be five years, seven, depending on, you know, especially my neurosurgeons, I think they do eight. Um, however long that is, it just keeps on going. And again, and it sounds scary. It's definitely sounds scary. And I'm not here to, I'm not here to, um, especially for my fourth year, so, or, you know, those who match, right? I'm, I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to kind of let you know, like, hey, I want you to relax right now. Like, yes, I want you to enjoy your, your match, that hire from the match. I, I want you to, you know, start picking out your apartments. I want you to start doing all of those things there. But I also want you to relax because once you get, once you step foot on that floor, once you're like no longer medical students, blah, 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 and you're Dr. Pierre and the nurse is paging you overhead because they need a diet order and you're terrified to even feed your patient, like then it's a different ballgame. Different ballgame. Oh, that's what's going on, sir. Uh, oh, this is, this is, a, this is like my, my brother. That's my brother from the mother over there. So that's why it's so it's so important, right, to understand that the transition will happen. It will occur, but it, just do it at your own pace. Just do it at your own pace. Again, I am out of residency. I finished residency in 2014. So next year will make 10 years since I've been out of residency. And I'm still constantly having to learn new stuff. Like, I wish I could tell you everything I learned that I needed to learn. It happened during my residency, but I'd be a liar, right? And, you know. On this channel, we don't like to lie. I'd be an absolute liar if I told you everything I needed to know I knew once I got a residency. Now, like the learning just continues to build and grow. What you have to do, especially when you're making that transition from a medical student to a resident or physician, wherever, is just understand that, hey, I'm not going to know everything that I need to know uh, when on day one and on the last day. I just... It's just, it's just going to happen. I just have to be able to be okay with that. I have to be able to understand, okay, yeah, like I'm just not there yet. But when I typically see what happens and what trips up a lot of my first year 
residents, right? The first year residents is one that they have this immense uh, level of fear to do anything. What what you're what you're afforded to do as a medical student is you're afforded to ask a lot of questions, but not have to take much action. So as a medical student, you can ask questions left and right, left and right. You can ask all the questions you want. And then someone else has to kind of take action with based on the questions you ask. But as a medical student, as a medical resident, I keep saying medical resident because I just you know fixed my brain. But just as a resident physician, you are going to be forced to take action. You're going to be forced to take action quickly. Uh, and it's going to be, we hate to say it, life or death situation. It's, it's a life or death situation. Now, of course, obviously, you have seniors there. They're there to protect you. Your attending physicians are there to protect you. But they can't hold your hand. And the, the difficult transition that I see that happens with a lot of resident physicians is that they want their hand held the whole time. And that's just, that's just the reality just isn't there for that to occur. Like, it, like I wish it was. It's just not there uh, for that to occur. Like, eventually, you are going to have to go into the pool and start swimming. Eventually, you are going to have to go and say, hey, this is my patient. And this is what I want to do for my patient. Like, that's, that's when you know your PGY1, who's a first-year first year resident. That's what we call PGY1s. That's when you know your first year uh, resident has turned the corner is that they start taking ownership in everything they do. More importantly, they start taking ownership with their patients because when they first start out, it's always, hey, you know, what do you want me to do with the patient? Hey, doc, what do you want me to do with your patient? Everything is like everything is trying to push off to say, hey, like this is your patient, but I'm just here to kind of assist. You know they turn that corner when everything starts becoming, hey, like this is what I want to do for my patient. My patient presented this way. And because they presented this way, this is what I ordered. Like everything starts becoming extremely personal with them, which is what I love. Like I love seeing that transition uh, because and one, most of the time the residents don't even realize it. Most of the time the residents don't even realize that their manner of speaking has changed they don't even realize that they're, you know, they're standing up a little bit taller. They don't even realize that they're confident when they're telling me to plan. Like it's something that just kind of just kind of happens, but it's so amazing as an attending physician to see that transition occur. Now, when does this transition occur? It's different for everyone. It's different for everyone. We all know wherever you go, you're gonna have some of your PGY ones, they're gonna be rock stars, they're gonna be ones who um, you know, read everything and, you know, they're going to they're gonna be rock stars. They're going to be taking test bank after test bank. So they're going to be rock stars, right? And they may learn things a lot quicker. And I'm not saying that that's literally the recipe for it because it's just not because I, I know a lot of physicians who are really book smart, right? They, you know, you, they read articles all day. They are constantly, you know, you know, doing, especially residents, uh, you know, doing mix-up related questions. And again, mix-up is just internal medicine, uh, but just doing test bank related questions. And then I just know a lot of people who spend more time in the caring department. So they care for their patients. You know, they, they go the extra mile for their patients. They'll do the extra reading for their patients. It's, it's, it becomes very easy to start seeing the residents who are separating themselves from everyone else. Because you can go through residency and just kind of be going through the motions. 
You can do that. Like you can go through residency kind of going through the motions and just saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to take care of my patients. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. But the ones who say, nah, I'm going to take ownership of my patients, my patient care. I want to be the best that I can be. And I'm going to read more. I'm going to, I may have to stay a little bit later. I may have to come a little earlier. Initially, it may not seem like that's, that's making a big difference until you look up at the end of the year and you start realizing that like, oh, I've made the separation that I needed to make. Right. Like, so that, I mean, again, it's just a beautiful thing as far as, you know, that transition when you go from medical student uh, to resident. And it's something that I love seeing, right? Especially because, again, I have, uh, let me see, I have about, oh my God, six, six, six. So about 20, because I was a program director for about four years. So I got about like, what, 24 attending physicians that I personally like oversaw. And it's just amazing to look afar and just see like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember I taught him that. Like, again, I don't take personal credit, right? But when I say I taught him that, the program. Um, but it's just amazing to see them do such amazing things, especially because I remember when they were sitting in front of me during interviews. Like, I remember when they were petrified when I would ask them the questions during the interviews. I remember when they did get accepted and they were petrified when they had to see their first patient, when they had to, you know, run their first code and had to do a lot of first during residency. So because I remember that, it's such a beautiful thing to see them at a different level. Like whatever that level is, it's just amazing to see them at that different level. So that I, I'm again, I'm always a big fan of, I've always been a big fan of just medical students in general, uh, because I know how hard. So I know just, I just know how hard it is uh, to get people to do that. Right to to say, hey, I want to be a pre-med student and the work it takes to be a pre-med student. And then if you're if you're fortunate and you're lucky and you work hard and you can become a medical student and then you got to do the whole process over again, which I don't think a lot of people realize that like it happens twice. Like it's it's I do a lot of work just to get into medical students. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it. And then you have to do a lot more work again when you're a competent medical student to say, hey, I want to get into a residency program. All right, boom, I got to do this whole process all over again. So you'll have, you know, the interview process, you'll have all of these, these things that occur multiple times in an attending physician's career uh, before they get to the point where they're just an attending physician. Like, again, I am next year, I'll be 10 years out as an attending physician, which is still so wild to think about. I was talking to my co-residents uh, like last week about it because we were because what happens, you know, what happens is we usually have to take board exams every 10 years. So one of my residents just reached out to us and said, hey, you know, do we know? Because right now there's a little battle on, you know, are we going to have to take it or not? Like that's a that's that's a fight that's been happening pretty much since I got out of residency. Now that I think about it. Yeah, this is a fight that's been happening for that long. Um, and obviously we've been crossing our fingers because we don't necessarily want to have to sit uh, for a whole nother board exam, especially when our, a lot of our licenses make us do all of these tests and all of these conferences and all of these CME related stuff that like, like, why doesn't that count for it? Right. So again, we're crossing our fingers that in 2024, I won't have to sit for another board exam. Cause like, ugh, it's just annoying. It just, it's, it's not like it's, it's not like it's difficult. It's just that I have to, I'd have to kind of 
put back on my residency hat. I'd have to download a couple uh, test banks and answer. It's just something that if I can avoid it, if I can avoid it, I will, right? It just, that's just the reality, right? Like if I can avoid, um, you know, having to uh, take another board exam, because again, we take so many, uh, I definitely would. So I want to, uh, so that again, that's just kind of my discussion on just the transition of getting from the medical student in, you know, being your first year resident. Uh, but I want to, you know, what I'll start doing, especially probably over the next, over the next month or so is I'll probably, and I, and for those who may know, especially if you catch this late, um, I also post this video on our YouTube channel. I don't post all my lives on the YouTube channel, but usually the live I do on Thursdays, I post on our YouTube channel. So this live will go on the YouTube channels um, usually around 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, tomorrow. So check that out. And if you are a podcast listener, if you like listening to podcasts, I also post the audio of this um, as well, right? So that's, that's typically kind of how I go um, in regards to uh kind of the, the 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 route that we kind of post our social media right so we typically will record it here and then we'll post it over there uh for you guys listening and viewing pleasure right so again that's kind of just our discussion uh today about um about the medical students medical residents again uh you know feel free to check us out um on our youtube links in the bio make sure you're following me as well too uh, don't forget to follow uh, hit the likes um, so now, now that that's over, right? 